0: Views expressed by program hosts and guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. This program is for entertainment purposes and is not for the purpose of nor should be construed as providing financial, tax, accounting, or legal advice. Five ways to protect yourself from scammers, hackers, and phishing attacks on this edition of your Cardano Update. Hello everyone and welcome to this Thursday, September 3rd, 2020 edition of Your Cardano Update. I'm James Kievert with United Stakes of Cardano. Now, if you think you're being smart by going with one of the big guys, you know, a stake pool with a huge pledge and lots of ADA delegated to it, not gonna mention any names, IOG1, you may want to think again. According to pool.pm, as of 9 a.m. yesterday morning, IOG's number one pool ticker IOG1, with a total of 693 delegates, was oversaturated, resulting in 25% rewards lost for those delegators. Now, if you're looking for a pool that's not oversaturated, might I suggest our pool, United States of Cardano, ticker USA01, as we're not oversaturated. We're not even close. In fact, we have stake pool operators on every show talking about their pool. They're not even close to being oversaturated. So you might want to give that some thought. But there's no way around it. We live in an increasingly technical world, and with all these different technologies comes lots and lots of vulnerabilities. We hear about people getting scammed all the time. So what are some of the best ways you can protect yourself? To discuss this, we've invited Vic with Sparta Tool ticker SPRTA, who has worked in IT for over two decades, the last eight being in cybersecurity. Vic, thanks for talking to us about this important topic. James, thanks for having me. Really appreciate Uh, it. My pleasure. All right. So now you've come up with five ways people can and should protect themselves, and some of them I find pretty interesting, like the first one. You say to create a separate email account for crypto-related activities. Why is this important?
1: So let me give you some background, right? Um, I think it's pretty common sense that half the information that you need to try and break into someone's account is their email address. And what's happened, you know, and continues to happen is we've had a number of very large um, data exposures and breaches, you know, giving an example, Marriott a couple of years ago in 2019. Uh, this year alone, we've had uh, Microsoft, we've had uh, a number of other breaches that have exposed many different records. And in those records, you have your email address along with other PII or personally identifiable more information. And so what the attacker does is they, they gather this information and they, they trade it on the dark web, you know, it's bought and sold. Then they populate databases that they then use to prime their tools with to try and break into your accounts. So if you've had the same email address for over a decade and you use the same password or similar passwords for many different websites, then you're in the danger in danger of uh, if your information being exposed and your accounts being breached uh, or being you know being broken into. So, by having a different email address that no one knows about that you only use for crypto-related activities, you don't share, you don't use for any other service, then you uh, you eliminate half the equation from from the uh, half the half of the uh, the issue from the equation. So I'm a little confused.
0: I'm a little confused though, if you sign up for a different account and you have a separate email account, like what's to stop the attackers from using that email account to fish that particular email account that you're using?
1: Yeah, so there's nothing to stop them from, from using that email account, but it's, not, it's not likely not gonna be out there in the databases, right? Hackers are, are lazy, right? They wanna use information that they have. They're not going to try and figure out your new email address and prime their database with that Right to try and attack your account. They're gonna use information they have, right? So by having a new email address that's unique, that you only use for your crypto-related activities, then you know that email is likely not known. And and therefore you you lessen the risk of of them trying to use that email address for that activity. Now you mentioned the point point here of phishing. So phishing is a second danger, right? If your email address is known, then they can send you a phishing email and try and get you to click on that link. There's this very sophisticated ways of crafting an email to make it look like it's from you know, a trusted source. And one example I'll give you is they've crafted emails that look like they come from Netflix that say, hey, your account is, is turned off. And, and, and there's a hyperlink in there that says, hey, click on this link to resolve the issue. Anyone that sees that, that enjoys Netflix, might click on that and it might fall prey to that type of email.
0: I see. Now, like Charles, you suggest a password manager like LastPass. Now, why is this better than just writing down your passwords in a notebook? LastPass is digital, right? It has vulnerabilities too, doesn't it?
1: So so anything digital, there's always a possibility that, that it can be attacked and can be uh, uh, compromised. But I think LastPass has done some very um, good things to keep the, the information secure. So for example, they use AES-256 256, 256 encryption. Uh, the keys are actually on the local device. LastPass, the company does not know your, your encrypt and decrypt keys, your private keys. Um, so, so by doing taking those types of steps, I think that they're they're doing the right things. Again, there's always a possibility, but you know, using a password manager like LastPass or, or or some some other tool like KeyPass is a step in the right direction because one, it helps you have stronger passwords, it helps you rotate your passwords periodically, and it also helps you with things like, you know, if you have an emergency, LastPass, for example, has the ability to provide a, uh, uh, the, the information or the access to an emergency contact. Um, and, and on top of that, you also get the ability to use something like a YubiKey for two-factor authentication, where you have to have physical touch in order to, to log into your account. So there are many benefits to something like LastPass over just writing your, your password on a piece of paper. I
0: see. Now, this next one is kind of surprising and applies to a lot of people, I think. You say those routers you get from your ISP, they're not safe at all. Tell me what you mean about that.
1: Yeah, this this is a surprising one, I think, to a lot of people. But I've, I've done some some research on this, and actually uh, there was a, a research paper just published in uh, June of 2020 in this research, it shows that um, they did a study with 127 different devices, different routers from vendors like D-Link, Linksys, TP-Link, Netgear. It's called the Home Router Security Report of 2020. You can look it up, Google it. Um, but basically, what they found is that you know one third of these devices were running Linux kernel 2.6.36, which is which hasn't been patched in nine years. So imagine the number of vulnerabilities and and uh, that are embedded in a device like that, or you know that, that a device like that is subject to on average they found that these devices that they studied had 53 critical vulnerabilities and exposures or CVEs. so all you know an attacker has to do is do a little bit of homework and you know just you know launch some automated attacks that most likely will work against these types of devices so do not trust these devices um it's also good to to assume that your home network is a hostile environment Because
0: it it, it likely is. Yeah, and a lot of ISPs require you to use their equipment. I mean, for my personal network, I had to get some pretty specific hardware so I wouldn't have to rent Verizon stuff. And a lot of people probably aren't willing to go that far. So how can someone make their router safe when they have to use what their provider gives them?
1: Yeah, so, you know, if you're not technically inclined and don't have, you know, the skill set to kind of replace a router, that's, that's definitely a very good point. Uh, I would say good practices like changing the default password um, is step number one. Disabling things like uh, universal plug and play, which is basically um, the ability for a device inside a network to modify the, the firewall on the fly for services that it needs, that's just no-no. Uh, so if you, if you do those types of things and just harden the device a little bit more, then be, you'll be a little bit safer. I was pleasantly surprised to learn that um, I use Verizon Files, so I got Verizon Files as my ISP. They actually have the ability to to push down security updates to their devices, so they're a little, a little bit more secure than your typical ISP. But, but yeah, there's uh, you know I would say the most secure approach is to replace it with a better router and... Uh, and, 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 and security. So now, you
0: had spoken, uh, we had talked about this offline about these devices like Alexa, your smart TVs, your phones, and um, creating a guest network for these Wi Fi devices. Can you talk to us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, so I would say it's best practice to create a, a guest Wi Fi network for these devices, right? Because they, they do have a very uh, weak uh, security stack on them. Um, those devices not, are not meant to, to be hardened, right? Your Samsung TV does not have a whole lot of security embedded in it. Uh, so if you segment those off into a, a, your own Wi-Fi network and don't mix and match that with your you know more critical devices, then I think that's a, good, a step in the right direction. All
0: right. Now, next, you talk about getting a dedicated machine exclusively for crypto activities. Seems pretty obvious, but maybe a bit impractical. Do I really need to buy a whole separate tower just to handle my crypto transactions? So I would say, I would argue yes. Um, look,
1: there, there is a spectrum of, say, safety and security for uh, for different machines that you might use. Right. So uh, Charles, when he did his video on security, uh, the security primer, um, he uh, pointed to the UBG web page. And, and in that page, it talked about several levels of security for your for the environment. Um, the first and least secure being your everyday uh, use OS right the second level was a virtual machine on your daily use os the third one was a, was a dual boot system with something like Debian and, and open bsd uh, a live image is more secure, secure than that uh, and then hardware um, was after that and then a dedicated air gap system now you know if you're using your daily o, uh, os and you go to starbucks you go to some other location the airport hotel you just never know if you're, if you're jumping on that wi-fi you might run into something you might get compromised that machine is then brought into your home environment and you're using that same machine for for crypto your crypto might get stolen at that point so it's, it's much more secure to use a dedicated i machine.
0: see and uh, probably agree with you i just uh i don't want to buy a whole nother machine but when we're talking about as much money as you know i've got in crypto it's probably a wise wise decision I mean, I think-
1: it doesn't have to be something expensive, it can be an Intel nook it can be a Raspberry Pi with Linux on it, you're so inclined, but right? it can be something very inexpensive. But just make sure it is dedicated. And, you know, I would say don't use Wi-Fi on that machine. Use a, an Ethernet link, you know, and, and, and just you know, hard plug it into the network.
0: All right. All right. Great. Now, this last one, I need you to kind of walk me through a little bit and explain to me. You say to create a secure enclave for that machine. Now, what do you mean by enclave, and how do you make that happen?
1: So, yeah, so this is a little bit more advanced, but um, not, not very difficult to do. It is uh, basically a separate segment. Um, if you look at your, your IP address for your home network, it's probably something like 192, 168, one 1.0. 1.0 with with a 24-bit mask. So what I'm asking here is, um, when you have that secure you know device in place, you can just basically segment off a, another port on that same device and create a separate segment um, with with a different set of uh, policies that govern that segment and police that segment in a different IP address scheme. So that segment is completely different, and the only device that resides on in that segment is your crypto machine. That, does that make it a little more
0: sense? Yeah, us? no, I, I think I get it. Uh, I might It might be worth a Google search here uh, after this show. Yeah. But listen, this is all super good information. We're really grateful for all that you've shared and are looking forward to having you back as a regular guest to discuss more security-related information. Now, real quick, before we let you go, I'd like for you to tell our audience about your pool and should they want to stake with you, how would they do that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, pull ticker is SPRTA. Sparta uh, stake pool is the name. I've actually got some good news. I minted a block like one minute before the epic transition. I thought I was going to go without uh, a block this this epic, uh, last epic 214. Um, I've got about 1.3 million uh, in stake right now. You know, we're I, I would say for a small stake pool, I'm doing, we're doing decently, right? I think I've minted a block for every every epic so far i definitely been lucky and, uh, you know, feeling grateful. So if, you know, if you want to find me, definitely go, go to the webpage or the, uh, the ticker SPRTA.
0: Great. All right, Vic, thanks so much for being on the show. We'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks a lot, James. Appreciate it. Take care. Now it's time to get to know that SPO. Here with me today is Chris with Omega Pool, ticker O-M-E-G-A. Chris, thanks so much for being on the show today.
2: Hey, thank you, James. I appreciate uh, having this opportunity to uh, present our stake pool and to speak with your audience. Great. Anytime. So if you don't mind,
0: let's start by learning a little bit about you and your pool.
2: Okay. So myself, uh, I come from, um, I am a developer. I have about 20 years experience in uh, doing development for large uh, corporations. I focus on, uh, have been focused on enterprise level deployments, and more recently, in about the last five, six years, helping corporations deploy cloud-based systems.
0: All right. Excellent. So you definitely have some experience and I'm curious, why Cardano? I mean, running a stake pool is a bit of an investment. Why Cardano and not say, you know, Bitcoin or, or some other cryptocurrency?
2: Well, I think the, the main reason, well, there's a lot of different reasons. Uh, Cardano's main value proposition, uh, I think uh, they have a very bright future. I think that Cardano, uh, as they continue to evolve and grow, I, I truly believe Cardano is going to become the intel of blockchain. And at some future point, Cardano has the capacity to overtake Ethereum and possibly even Bitcoin. So it's a very rich ecosystem that shows tremendous promise because of uh, a lot of their practices, uh, their scientific and uh, development teams, and just the overall uh, strategic plan that they have laid out for the long term.
0: Yeah, I mean, you bring up an interesting point, and I've spoken about this on previous shows about, about Bitcoin. Um, I really I want to go all in on Cardano, you know, and, and, I, it's, and I did. I sold my Ripple. I sold my Stellar. Um, but I just can't let go of that Bitcoin. And um, but I am I, with you, you know, 51 percent almost. Maybe it's 49 percent that uh, even better than Bitcoin. That's I see it that way as well. I think uh, playing both sides is is a good long-term play. I
2: don't think Bitcoin's going to completely disappear by any means, but uh, it's going to have to start competing uh, more aggressively with some of these third-generation blockchains, including Cardano, which I believe will probably rise to be uh, one of you know number one.
0: Now, you said you have some Gogan experience, or excuse me, you said you have some development experience, so I bet you're looking forward to the Gogan release, the Gogan era. Do um, you, you have any plans to develop on Cardano's smart contract platform?
2: Absolutely. So that's, that's another key area that I think as the uh, ecosystem starts to grow and they roll out the, the next phases of the roadmap, smart contracts are going to become a very, very uh, high demand uh, area. And from a developer standpoint, uh, I think there's going to be tremendous opportunity there uh, to grow yourself as uh, a business. And I believe that ultimately uh, the demand on that side is going to greatly outstrip the supply of people who have the technical skill set to actually do that work. So, tremendous opportunity in the future.
0: Yes, yes, I agree. Listen, Chris, we thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully, folks will see this and delegate to your pool.
2: Yeah, and uh, please visit our website, take a look at it. Right now it's very difficult uh, out there with over a thousand pools to differentiate uh, ourselves, but uh, being able to come on shows like this and uh, to get our message out and to kind of introduce ourselves is a very valuable uh, resource for most of us, uh, most of the stake pools that are out there. Uh, So yes, please take a look at uh, the links that James will be posting on this video and visit our website and there's an email uh, also available that you can email me at. And if if you have any specific questions, I'll be more than happy to answer those
0: questions. Great. All right, Chris, thanks again. It's a pleasure having you. Hey, thank you very much, James. Appreciate having this opportunity. And that does it for us today. We do thank you kindly for making it through to the end of this video. If you really liked it, we'd be grateful if you click that thumbs up icon. Also, if you haven't already, please subscribe to our channel And finally, if you're in the market for a stake pool, please consider ours. United Stakes of Cardano, ticker USA01. I'm James Kiever, and that's your Cardano Update.